0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, September the 8th, 2022. It is currently 6.27 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Three, I need three things, okay? This is becoming a theme recently. I need three things. I need three things. There's a list of, th- of things that I need from everyone. Three things. Uh, I know some of you are tired of this. I First of all, I need three things. The church needs to be teaching young people. Three things that you think right now, they, these are the most important things the church needs to be teaching young people. Three of them please send your three things to newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Three things the church needs to be teaching young people. I need three things missing in preaching today. What are three things missing in preaching today? I need to know what those three things are. And then number three, I need you to name three enemies within the church, three enemies that are within the church right now, that are dangerous to the church, that's having devastating impacts on the church. Three enemies within, I've got to stress this word, within, not outside, but Inside. I know I'm quoting a very old movie that some of you may get the reference to and some of you may not. The call is coming from inside the house. Get out. The the person is inside the house, right? You're calling that someone outside the house is bothering you and we've discovered that the person is inside the house and you are in immediate danger. Well, what are the three enemies inside the church today? I want you to send me your list of these three things. I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep asking, and I'm going to keep asking until you're just like, I, I don't anymore. I don't know. Also, I, I asked for three steps that you think would help bring unity to the church. I also asked for that as well. Look, it wasn't, I did not have some grand scheme of going, you know what? I'm going to turn the, the month of September into the month of three things. It really was not a, a a grand scheme or a grand plan. It's just sometimes when I'm talking about one thing and talking about another thing um, on our podcast, a lot of the episodes are connected. They're, they're kind of connected. Some people catch on, some people don't, but I, I kind of like that. But Here's where we are, okay? We've created a series. We've created a series. If if you go to the Church One app and you look down there at series, if you go to the Home tab and you go down to series... In fact, if I can get all the way back to the home tab, if you go down and you look at the uh, recent series, you'll see a series called, well, that's Steps to Unite the Church. And then underneath that, you'll see uh, the series on Eye on Christianity. And then underneath that, this or recent series, you'll see enemies within the church. Are there enemies within the church? Can we properly identify them? Does the church tend to focus on the enemies outside the church and ignore what's happening inside? So far, there have been two messages in this series, Enemies Within the Church. You should listen to all of them. But here is what has happened. Well, first, let me explain how this started, just briefly, and then kind of tell you what has happened, because it's taken a weird and strange turn, which happens frequently on this podcast because of the way I do things. But let me explain. So it's last Thursday evening, right? Right. Thursday evening, and this is going to happen again tonight, getting close to midnight, one in the morning, two in the morning, I'm going to grab my iPad and I'm going to start looking looking for a, you know podcast to listen to because I subscribe to many and I'm going to see that Understanding the Times ministry has dropped a brand new episode because it will drop somewhere around midnight tonight. And I love that when I get the notification and I see it, I'm like, yeah, okay, good. A new episode to listen to. I don't always agree, but I always look forward to whatever they have for me. So last Thursday going into Friday, I hit play and it started with something like, are there enemies in the church? And I'm like, Ooh, they're going to talk about enemies inside the church. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Stop listening. I'm not going <laughs> to. sometimes my, my podcast listening lasts for like three seconds because I'm, I'll immediately go, I want to play that on the air on my podcast and talk about it. But I don't want to listen to it first because I like listening to it with you. So we grabbed that audio and we started listening to Understanding the Times, talking about enemies within the church. And so far, we have reviewed 18 minutes and 23 seconds, which has basically led to two plus hours of my podcast and reviewing 18 minutes basically of audio. It's taken us two hours to review 18 minutes. And here's what's fascinating to me a program that's supposed to be focusing on the enemies within the church, they've yet to deal with really any of any significance. To them, the, the number one enemy, and when I say number one, or I should say the first enemy within the church that we should be concerned about is Marxism and socialism. We were talked about that. They, they get things so backwards and so confused, it's not even funny. Then, they, they didn't really transition, like they didn't say, number one, Marxism, socialism, number two. It seems that they hold to this theory, that Marxism and socialism has a goal of destroying America. And the way you destroy America is destroy, I guess, Christianity. But one of the ways you destroy America is by promoting Pornography, sexual immorality, and homosexuality. So Marxism and socialists want to destroy countries, and the way you destroy countries is by promoting homosexuality and the LGBTQ movement. So this is a Marxist-socialist plot. It's kind of the direction they go. And I'm familiar with that idea because I literally was taught that in basic training in the United States military. That, commun- that one of the things communism try well, there it, was, it wasn't Marxism and socialism. They specifically said communism. That one of the things communism wants to do is to destroy our country by promoting pornography, homosexuality, and these types of things. And of course, I've told the story. I got in trouble because I raised my hand I'm like, wait a minute, communism is trying to destroy us with pornography, but it's being sold right on this base at the base exchange. Like it made no absolutely no sense to me. But okay, so. That's kind of their theory. So then they point to they pointed to Dr. Albert Moeller, because Albert Moeller at one time seemed to imply that like sexual orientation really wasn't a thing or it didn't exist, and he's repented of that. Now he believes sexual orientation does exist. And so they're like, see, he's an enemy within the church. He's bought into Marxism and socialism because he believes sexual orientation exists. It was really strange. I really thought that episode was going to spark a lot of conversation. It did not, which is greatly disappointing because that tells me when, when, when even people who do co- talk to me on a pretty regular basis, everybody goes silent. That tells me that they, they disagree with, with Albert Moeller's repentance. And I, I, I was hoping it would spark some conversation. We'll have to, we'll have to get back to that. So that's kind of where we ended. Really, they've not even looked at any enemy within the church. I guess that's the closest they've came, but it's just bizarre. I, I what I, I think what we are realizing is that Christianity has a major problem with truly identifying the enemies within the church because we're always focused externally. But I guess the, uh, I guess what, I guess to state it. I know this is not the way the program stated it, but I guess to help them out, the, num- the first enemy within the church is the belief that sexual orientation exists. I, I-, I-, I don't know. It's been really bizarre. But we're going to pick up where we left off. 18 minutes and 23 seconds. Understanding the times. Trying to figure out who the enemies of the church are so that we can identify them. And if we don't get any actual enemies within the church based off this podcast that we are reviewing, I will dedicate some episodes where I give you what I think are the top three enemies within the church. We may do an entire episode on what you guys think are the top enemies within the church, but if I don't receive emails, then it will just be me. But you have an opportunity to let your voice be heard. I won't give your name, but you can get your your perspective across. here we go.
0: You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line from Sioux City, Iowa, Pastor Kerry Gordon of the Cornerstone World Outreach. He is one of the producers of the film Enemies Within the Church. We carry it. It's in my online store, olivetreeviews.org. olivetreeviews.org. You can call my office. You can get on our newsletter lists. Pastor Kerry Gordon, we just made some people upset and angry. I played a clip of J.D. Greer saying we need to whisper about homosexuality because the Bible whispers about it supposedly, I guess.
1: Okay, that's a very much a misrepresentation, I believe. Um, we've talked about the J.D. Greer clip that ticked everyone off. Um, and I, I think what J.D. Greer was trying to say is there's, the Bible has lots to say about sin right? There's some serious sins the Bible talks about. Covetousness, pride, and and I I don't think there's any way to get around this. Whether we like it or not, and I, I don't care who this offends, within the Protestant world, we are just like Roman Catholicism. We have our mortal, and we have our venial sins, and if anyone denies that, they're a liar. We just don't call it mortal and venial sins. We have these sins. If you commit these sins, oh man, it's the end of the world. It's public scandal. It's public humiliation. It's big time. But there's other sins, not so much. And I think what J.D. Greer was trying to say, whether he stated it in an articulate way or an inarticulate way, whether he was clear or whether he was unclear. To me, from, from listening and reviewing all of that controversy, he seemed to just say that we that if you look at what's said in regards to this particular sin, maybe homosexuality, versus what the Bible says about other sins, one the others seem to be much la- louder just in the mere volume um, of things said about it. And I think sometimes that we take the concept of sin and we apply our own seriousness to it. This one is more serious than this one. This one, and we try to find biblical justification for it, but it's just, it's so easy. I, I can't speak for most, but I know it's easy for me to be so harsh and condemning on sins that I don't have any issue with. Like, man, I can turn on the microphone and just oh, and preach all day against homosexuality, uh, all day. I can condemn it, condemn it, condemn it, condemn it condemn it because that's not my issue but i i may not be so loud and condemning when i'm t- when i talk about sins that are much closer to me and i think there's a fact there so i, I don't i think that's a misrepresentation that jd greaves like we should just whisper about homosexuality i don't And even, even if he did gave, gave that kind of indication, I I think in context, he's trying to demonstrate that there's other sins as well, but okay. It just, Christians, the way I've, I've heard, whenever Christians, pastors preach on homosexuality, sometimes the anger and the hatred comes out in a way that I don't see towards any other sin. I, and I think there's some truth to that. But let's let's see where else they go here.
0: I wouldn't agree with that. And then we played a clip here of Al Mohler, who is repenting for his position on homosexuality. Help us understand what we just heard. Was he repenting on
1: his stance on homosexuality? Or was he repenting on his understanding of sexual orientation? I believe, I believe in sexual orientation. I believe people have a sexual orientation. I, I still believe homosexuality is a sin. Again, this is this weird, 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 weird way of thinking in the evangelical world that if you say someone can be born with a specific sexual orientation, let's say homosexual, lesbian, all right? And then, oh, you're saying it's not a sin. No, you're... Why would you think that way? We as Christians have been teaching, as long as we've been teaching total depravity, other if you're a Pelagian or a semi-Pelagian, but if you reject the Pelagian view, go to a more Augustinian, I would say a biblical view, we believe everyone is born a sinner. Being born a sinner doesn't mean that you're not condemned as a sinner. You can be born a homosexuality, but the, the engaging in homosexual practice would be condemned. And many in the evangelical world believes that when you become a Christian, boom, your sexual orientation just flips. And now you desire people of the opposite sex. It doesn't work that way. If it does for a certain individual, great. But it doesn't always work that way. You know why I know? Because I'm, I have an orientation of a heterosexual. When I got saved, guess what? All of a sudden I didn't start. I only desire sex. I I never look at, I never look at a woman with lust. I do not desire sex until I'm married. I didn't have, all of a sudden, all of my sexual issues went away. No, with my specific sexual orientation, there was a desire to fulfill that sexual orientation in ways that were unbiblical and ungodly. Just as someone can have a sexual orientation towards homosexuality and becoming saved doesn't mean that immediately goes away. They're going to struggle with wanting to fulfill that desire in an unbiblical way. So what we should do is, I'm not here to argue about your sexual orientation, what does the Bible say you can and cannot do? The Bible says you cannot do this. Don't do that. Say, so, well, they shouldn't even have the desire. You don't have any sinful desires ever. No lust, no no covetousness, no bitterness, no unforgiveness. I mean, give me a break. But Christians have this weird, many in the evangelical world have this weird concept that no, 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 you can't even desire it. Well, uh, well, okay, let's say you condemn the desire. The desire is not going to just immediately go away. So I don't know why they're like, he's repented on his stance on homosexuality. It seems, because they only played like a 15 second clip. It seems like the only thing he was repenting of is his understanding of sexual orientation. Okay, I, I, I have no problem, sexual orientation. Look, I'll put it this way how can I say that? Because whenever I try to talk about this, what I really need to do is be as blunt as I can be. (laughs) But you can't be because it would be probably inappropriate. Let me just say this, that when it comes to people's sexuality, the sexuality of human beings, there's a lot there that is complex and very unique to certain individuals. Certain individuals have a desire or a like or a... They find great pleasure in certain things that others may not. And sometimes there's no real rhyme or reason why one person is drawn one way versus another. I, I don't know why Christians have to try to get all caught up in that. What does the Bible say I can do? What does the Bible say I can't do? All right. If I do that, it's a sin. If I If I desire that, like heterosexual sex is okay as long as it's with your marriage partner. But if I have lust, it's a sin. Well, that lust doesn't go away because I'm a Christian because I have a sinful nature. So if a homosexual has an orientation of same-sex attraction, well, obviously they can't engage in the act. And if they lust for the act, guess what? They've committed sin because they've committed the sin of lust. They're gonna they're gonna have a thousand sinful desires, just like I have a thousand thousand sinful desires. And I guess some of you listening, you don't because you're better than everyone else, but or you're just living in utter denial. So I, I it's just so weird, like. I I don't really even understand what they're trying to accomplish with this, but let's, let's let them hopefully flesh this out so that we can really identify the enemy within the church.
2: It's a tragedy. It's a terrible tragedy. And I have to tell you, when we started this road three and a half years ago, making the film, one of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was what was happening with Al Mohler, because I had always looked up to him in so many ways. I had quoted him favorably from the pulpit. He's written marvelous things and published really insightful things about the scripture for over 20 years that I've relied upon and trusted him. And I did get to meet him one time many years ago concerning Christian education. He and I ended up having lunch, and so I don't know him really well, but I've always looked up to him and thought well of him. And I was very careful. You don't want to come across as a curmudgeon about to throw bombs and slander people. I am very sensitive to that. I've been a pastor for 28 years. I know what it's like to have people spread rumors or say things that are unfair and untrue about you, trying to tear you down. Having sensitivity as a minister, I would never want to put another minister through what I have gone through in my own life, what my father went through before me and my grandfather before him. I'm three generations deep in ministry, I have a sensitivity toward preachers and I understand the difficulties of ministry, so I am extremely careful and I also believe in the law of sowing and reaping. So I was very challenged by the problems with Al Moeller and I just was devastated, I have to say that on the air. I was devastated to see how bad things were. I couldn't tell you exactly
1: Okay, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, slander. You don't want to do anything. You're de- uh, devastated by how bad things were. Okay, how, what have you got? What do you got? How bad things? Now, maybe in the, over the course of this episode, they're going to tell us how bad things are. So maybe the enemy within the church is Albert Moeller. I don't know. I mean, this. they seem to be really doubling down on the Albert Moeller situation. But so far, all you've given me is a little small clip clip ripped way out of any context where he seems to be changing or I'll use this term evolving in his understanding of sexual orientation that may be different now than it was I don't know where he has like like you've got to give me something more you're you're basically like he's abandoned a biblical stance on homosexuality has he has he I mean I mean come on I mean, let, let's be fair here, okay? We may not agree with everything, but let's at least try to be, like, reasonably fair. But maybe they've got some dirt here that they're going to show us that Albert Moeller is the enemy within the church. Let's let's see. All right, here we go.
2: Why Al Moeller has compromised the authority of the Scripture over human sexuality? I don't know for sure why, but I can tell you, when I sat down with person after person after person who was directly involved in being fired from the university he was in control of and heard the stories and the board meetings and saw the evidence, it was overwhelming and it was very clear that Al Mohler has either consciously decided to embrace a form of Christian humanism or he has just caved in maybe out of fear or perhaps cowardice, but he has surrendered to the forces of evil in this culture. And I don't know why he's done it. I pray for him. I hope.
1: I mean, well, those are some serious accusations. He's surrendered to the forces of evil. Sermon Audio may want to check out because I, I believe uh, Albert Moeller is on Sermon Audio. Um, let me verify. I'm going to go to the Sermons 2.0 app really quick. I'm going to go to the Sermons 2.0 app and say, I'm going to go to my feed. Let's see here. I'm looking at my feed. Um, Let me see here. I'm looking. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, wait. All right. All right. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I did not want to see that. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. All right. I'm looking. I'm looking. Oh, there's Albert Moeller. There's Albert Moeller. Uh, So Albert Moeller is on Sermon Audio. And according to what we just heard, Albert Moeller has surrendered to the forces of evil. He has he has surrendered to the forces of evil. So, wow. Uh, Sermon audio, you may want to check yourself. You have someone who has surrendered to the forces of evil. They have abandoned biblical Christianity. I mean, so far, the only real... The only real enemy within the church they've given us is Albert Moeller. Supposedly he's been given all of this evidence, but all I have heard is he believes that sexual orientation exists. I'm I am this is fascinating to hear this unfold. I'm hoping that something significant happens soon. Or I feel like we're going to be wasting our time here. Well, we're not wasting our time because I love finding out what's going on in the Christian world. So it's, it's my Thursday evening. If I want to listen to a Christian podcast, why not just turn on the microphone and listen to it with you? So I don't think we're wasting any time. So here we go.
2: I think all of our hope in creating the film is that perhaps he would come to repentance and actually repent for the correct thing this sure. time, instead of repenting for previously believing what the Scripture said about homosexuality. Well,
0: like you, I have been one who has deeply appreciated what Dr. Albert Moeller did for the Southern Seminary in Kentucky. Thirty years ago, he began turning the seminary around in a very positive way, and I think he's been a hero of the faith for our generation, has woke ideology gotten to the seminary, starting with Dr. Mueller at the top? It would be nice, perhaps, to even have Dr. Mueller on air and talk to him about some of these things. But I share your grief, Pastor Kerry Gordon, I do. The clip we've just played, folks, is a part, again, of the film that we're carrying. And it's looking at a lot of the things that have gone haywire in the church here in the last 40, 50 years or so. Pastor Gordon, you said that making this film was very difficult for all involved, and my goodness, I can see why. And you said, who wants to know all the things that are revealed? And then you say some pastors and leaders who watched the film actually had renewed hope after they saw the film. Explain what you mean by that.
2: I have heard that repeated over and over. In fact, about 30 minutes before we
0: Okay. I just have to laugh because this is
1: supposed to be giving us the enemies within the church. That All I've talked about is Marxism and socialism. They've gone a little bit after J.D. Greer and Albert Moeller for n- not really being very specific, but supposedly Albert Moeller basically is, you know, I don't know – signed up for Satan and, and you know, has been drafted by Satan, has joined the forces of evil, uh, so, but not give us really anything of, of sustenance, anything of substance. And, and now it just seems like we're just going to promote the movie. Is this just an info commercial described as an actual discussion about the enemies within the church? Are they going to actually give us the enemies within the church? Because we're 22 minutes in, I, I, I got, I've got nothing.
2: We began this interview, I got a phone call, and another minister I've never met said the same thing. The end of the film is true biblical hope. This is what we give you. We're not giving you what I call hopium. We're not trying to be Pollyannish about the future. But we get down to the brass tacks of the scripture, and we know that our hope has always been and the power and authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King, seated on his throne. We know how this ends. He wins. He's the victor. He's the champion. There's no reason for us to all go dig a bunker and store up our canned goods just because the church is in serious trouble in the West. America is in great peril right now. Our freedoms are on the line. This is all real, and it's a real problem, but there is the very real possibility of a divine intervention we could have. A great revival. We could have another great awakening. Mm-hmm. I would call it even a resurrection because I think we're a dead nation spiritually. Yeah. It he, has to be through Jesus Christ.
1: He, not- I'm so perplexed. This is about enemies within the church, but he keeps mentioning the nation. The nation. the The nation and the church are not the same thing. Oh, we could see a great revival in the nation. Well, I think you're talking about. So if we. So are you saying that if we. F- Identify the enemies within the church and get rid of them, yet you've not identified them. You've seemed to focus more on the enemies of the nation, which is Marxism and socialism. I I, I am so perplexed on exactly what this episode is. Is this about how to save America, or is this about how to purify
0: the church?
2: Politics alone.
0: You can learn more at their website enemieswithinthechurch.com enemieswithinthechurch.com. You might go to a particular category at that website that I found intriguing. Go to the category called Wokopedia. You'll learn some things if you go to enemiesinthechurch.com and go
1: Wokopedia. I am so sick of this. The church thinks everything is woke, 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 but we won't even bother to address how all of the stuff from the right has come into the so I need a right apedia. Oh, you got a woke apedia, a right apedia, a Republican apedia, and how Republican right talking points and ideology have be, entered into the church and we've Christianized it in some way, shape, or form. Why are we not? I I, I, I don't understand. It's like they, while trying to figure out the enemies of the church, they clearly indicate that they have so bought into the political hijacking of the church, they can't see the actual enemy within the church.
0: Go to Wikipedia. That's just a link on that website. And then you said in another interview, Pastor Kerry Gordon, you said after you sent the film to a particular organization, the Southern Baptist Seminary started scrubbing their website of critical race theory slash social justice articles and videos. Very interesting.
2: Oh, yes. They had chronicled many, many excerpts that we had been looking at for three and a half years of their professors openly, clearly promoting Critical race theory, which is a total heresy, aggressively promoting it. And as soon as our movie began to make enough waves, all of that footage magically disappeared mm-hmm. in one weekend and was taken from their website. I think what happens is these seminaries know exactly what they're doing, and they also realize that some of their biggest donors would not appreciate that. And so, in order to protect their finances, they pretend it's not happening. They're really being dishonest, and they remove all the evidence. But we're wise enough to have recorded sure. their evidence ourselves.
0: Well, I want to pick on one more Southern Baptist. I would love to hear, see your evidence of supposed
1: critical race theory, social justice. I would love to see their overwhelming evidence. I mean, of course, you know. Oh, yeah, they're going to condemn those other the seminaries because it's about money. But I wonder, how, I wonder how I could see this overwhelming evidence. Oh, it's in their movie. I wonder if their movie is for free. Think it's for free? Or you think I have to buy it? I mean, why don't you play audio clips of your over, overwhelming evidence of this seminary having critical race theory, social justice, I'm so tired of hearing that. I'm so tired. Christians, critical race theory is going to destroy us. No, the political hijacking of the church is going to destroy us. And that's coming from the right. The, the, The churches that have been politically hijacked from the left already abandoned Christianity a long time ago. Oh, man. Whenever I hear someone say critical race theory, it's being taught in the elementary school. It's being taught in the high school. Oh, really? Oh, really? Really? Show me, man. Oh. And when people, and I, what I hate is when you try to have an a, a, an intelligent academic level conversation in regards to critical race theory. Oh, I've studied it. I've read their books. And you're like, oh, oh, show me, show me, show me what you've actually read. And it'll be like some website or a YouTube video or something on Facebook. They haven't spent any time in actual academic learning of critical race theory, or what it is or isn't. Now, by I'm not saying you have to agree with everything. I'm just saying you have to properly identify something. But anytime someone mentions racism or America's racist path, critical race theory, or just, I don't know, history. Okay, I don't know, right? Now, you can take that history, and then what you do with it, uh, we could get into a whole discussion about how critical race theory works. But I'm just, I'm just so... Ugh, it's so maddening. But again, is that the enemy within the church? So I guess, I guess what I'm trying. Look, I've got to help them out because they obviously didn't even bother to write out any kind of actual structure for what they wanted to accomplish. So let me try to help them out. Number one, Marxism and socialism. Number two, I guess homosexuality. And number three, critical race theory and social justice. Those are the three enemies within the church. Now, let's see if they add a fourth.
0: Now, Russell Moore has stepped down from the seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Thankfully, I'm so pleased to see that the film is dedicated to my friend Phil Haney. And I was with Phil two weeks before he was murdered a couple of years ago. And he said, just like he said to you folks, Phil said to me, if I turn up dead, folks, I didn't commit suicide. They'll say I committed suicide, but I didn't do that. You play a clip of Phil, let's play that, because he's going to be addressing the Russell Moore situation. Russell Moore, who is, I think, the main person who is responsible
3: for this, at least in the Southern Baptist Convention. Al Mohler brought him on maybe 20 years ago. I don't know the precise time, but he's been served as a professor. He served as a provost and the dean. So he had very responsible positions that Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville and then he was in 2013 or maybe it was 2015 he took over from Richard Land as president of the ERLC. They have a budget of 5 or 6 million a year and they have about 30 staff and it's turned into a honestly, genuinely leftist social justice arm of the Southern Baptist Conventions. like the Southern Baptist Convention has got this cancer and it's very disturbing, very disconcerting. In 2015,
4: the George Soros Foundation said this Reverend Russell Moore, head of the public policy for the Southern Baptist Convention, and then they quote Russell Moore as saying that evangelicals should be the ones calling the rest of the world to remember human dignity and the image of God, especially for those fleeing murderous Islamic radical jihadis. So, Russell Moore is forwarding immigrants from Muslim countries coming to the United States. There is a link to George Soros. Now, why would What was wrong with this statement?
1: So Russell Moore wants, because he supports immigrants coming from Islamic countries who are fleeing, being killed, murdered or tortured by Islamic extremists. Now he's a part of the George Soros conspiracy theory. What is going on here? All he said is we see the dignity. Do we not see the dignity in an immigrant that they are created in the image of God, fleeing maybe difficult circumstances? Do we not perceive that as, no, 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 no. You may be fleeing Islamic terrorists. We don't care. Stay there and die because we are Christians and we want you to die. We don't want you to come here. You think Christians would be like, bring the immigrants, bring them in, and we will find people who can speak their languages, and we will build churches in their communities so that we can minister to them. You, I mean, I mean, what better way to do missionary work than the, mis- than the mission field comes to your front door? But I don't know. I don't know. I digress. I don't know. Because it's a political. Build the wall. Keep them out. Okay, I understand. You got the political, social, economic element of it, but I'm just saying from a Christian perspective, bring the world here. We'll minister to them. But so, so that was supposedly the, oh, that was the smoking gun. What did he say? Let's back that up. This, this is just, what is happening? I don't, I sometimes, I don't even know what's going on within Christianity. Okay. I don't even, I don't even recognize it half the time. I don't even know if I even belong in it anymore. Here, not belong in American evangelical Christianity, not like biblical Christianity. I hope I belong in that because I obviously believe in the imputed righteousness. I'm saved by, the, by faith alone, Christ alone, the imputed righteousness, the inerrancy of Scripture. I mean, I hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith. You you, you get the idea. But some of what's going on in modern Christianity, just I, I just think we've so far left to Jesus, and all we are now is political. That's all we
3: are now. And the dean. So he had very responsible positions at Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, and then he was in 2013, or maybe it was 2015, he took over from Richard Land as president of the ERLC. They have a budget of five or six million a year, and they have about 30 staff. And it's turned into a honestly, genuinely leftist social justice arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. Like the Southern Baptist Convention has got this cancer and it's very disturbing, very disconcerting.
4: In 2015, the George Soros Foundation said this, Reverend Russell Moore, head of the public policy for the Southern Baptist Convention. And then they quote Russell Moore as saying that evangelicals should be the ones calling the rest of the world to remember human dignity and the image of God, especially for those fleeing murderous Islamic radical jihadis. So Christians should be the first to see that these people
1: are created, that dignity of people creating the image of God, fleeing radical Islamic jihadists. What? That, that is bad? That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. That, that... Hey, hey, do you don't be the first to see the dignity of human beings as being created in the image of God who are fleeing being murdered? Don't see the dignity in them because we don't see dignity in immigrants. That's 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 a bridge too far in evangelical Christianity. Nope. Oh, no, no, you're an immigrant. We, you don't have any dignity, and I don't see the image of God in you. Is that what is, the, what is the opposite side of this? Okay, let's see. Maybe, maybe I'm misrepresenting what they're saying. I'm going to give them an opportunity to maybe flesh this out a little bit.
4: So Russell Moore is forwarding immigrants from Muslim countries coming to the United States. There is a link to George Soros. Now, why would George Soros want to fund Russell Moore? And, and why would his organization be bragging that this is what Russell Moore said with our money?
1: My name is Philip B. Haney. Wait a minute! Did was did, was was Russell Moore getting money from George Soros? But he he didn't really explain what's the what. So what's the flip side of that quote? So the so the enemy within the church. Is if you perceive dignity and the image of God and individuals who are fleeing radical Islamic jihadists, you are an enemy within the church. I mean, there's no way to get around what they, I mean, now it's on, like, it's not my fault. They're, They're the ones who presented it. I'm just there reviewing and critiquing it. They literally just told me the enemy within the church are individuals who see the dignity and the image of God in individuals who are fleeing radical Islamic jihadists. <laughs> I, they didn't explain it. But that's literally what was just implied.
5: That I became a spirit-filled Christian Christian. November 7, 1975, and that's really the basis of my worldview. What made me more of a public figure was being a founding member of the Department of Homeland Security, and I worked in Customs and Border Protection. And I was a subject matter expert in the strategy and tactics of the global Islamic movement. And I literally interviewed hundreds of individuals seeking entry into the country who
2: had potential ties to terrorism. Tell me what you think about the ERLC, under the leadership of Russell Moore, getting involved with the United States State Department and encouraging them to build a mosque.
5: Not only the United States State Department, but also the Justice Department. Ever since Loretta Lynch and my former boss, Janet Napolitano, they began forcing communities to violate their own zoning laws but also paying the Muslim community damages for their bias, their racism, their Islamophobia. That started during the Obama
2: administration. It makes Russell Moore and the ERLC an accessory to a spiritual and theological crime.
5: A kind of an enablement. You're at-
1: Now, I don't know what Russell Moore did or didn't do with, with communities building mosques, but let me make it very clear. Christians not wanting mosque built... And this country, you're the problem. Because you want some kind of Christian theocracy. You want some kind of Christian nationalism. I want Muslims to be able to build the mosque wherever. Now, if that mosque is clearly linked to promoting violence and trying and and connected to terrorism or hurting, then obviously it has to be investigated just like any church. If it's connected to radicalism and calling people to get hurt, then they have to be investigated. But here's the thing. We live in a country with the freedom of religion. If the Muslim can't build the mosque, then the Christian can't build the church. If I deny their freedoms, I deny my freedoms. So I don't know exactly. Oh, they've got the sinister sounding music and they've got everything going on here. But there's no actual context to these, these accusations and claims. They're just throwing bombs out there. I don't know what Russell Moore was. Was he, was he fighting for the, the, the freedom and the right for Muslims to be able to build mosques in their communities? that they live in. Now, if they're forcing people to violate uh, zoning laws, then okay, I would like to see exactly what they did and what they didn't do. But I I mean, I, I remember some of these arguments bringing up from Christians about Muslims shouldn't be able to build a mosque in this country. What is this? This is America. And I'm like, yeah, you know, freedom of religion. You see how you have a church on every street corner? Freedom of religion does not mean that you're saying all religions are equally true. You're saying all people have the equal right to be wrong if they so desire to be that.
5: Advocating on behalf of a theology, an ideology that's in direct contradiction to the one that you say you live by. That's a kind of a psychosis, isn't it? Who is the primary abuser of Christians all over the world today? The very religion, Islam, that this particular individual is trying
1: to help build a mosque. Because they have a right to build the mosque in a country that offers the freedom of religion. Is that so complicated? Hey, you're a Christian. You can't support Muslims building mosques. I don't support their theology, but as an American, I support their freedom because to deny them freedom, I'm denying myself freedom. Oh man, I, 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 Christians, one little thing goes wrong. So they go through the, you know, the, the checkout line at Target and they don't say Merry Christmas. They say, you know, uh, happy holidays. And Christians are like, we're being persecuted. It's a war on Christmas. What are we going to do? They're coming for our Bibles. Oh, and a global pandemic. They're like, Hey, Hey, there's, there's issues going on here with COVID and we may have to do, Oh, they're trying to shut down the church and take away. It's the end in the world. How dare a Muslim wants to build a mosque? (sighs) What does this have to do with the enemy within the church?
5: Against the wishes of the entire community. I would like to know how in the world someone within the Southern Baptist Convention can support the defending of rights for Muslims to construct mosques in the United States when these people threaten our very way of
1: existence. What? You, so so I, the enemy within the church is anyone who supports Muslims in building mosques in the United States of America. Whoa, okay, this, I, this just got, I got I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting, this is scary. So I'm an enemy within the church because I would support a Muslim. I would support a a Jew's right to build a synagogue, a a Buddhist uh, to, to build a place of worship for Buddhism, any religion. I would support Satanists building the church of Satan wherever they want because it's the freedom of religion. Now, I do not support a mosque promoting, supporting in some devious manner, some attempt to blow up and hurt and attack. But you can't say that all Muslims do that. Man, I, this is weird. So, uh, man, we've reached a point now that you're an enemy. If you support the rights of other religions to to have the free exercise to practice their religion, build a place of worship and to be left alone, That, that, that now you're an enemy within the church. This is some absolutely frightened stuff. I'm going to back this up. The mosque against the wishes
5: of the entire community. I would like to know how in the world someone within the Southern Baptist Convention can support the defending of rights for Muslims to construct mosques in the United States when these people
1: threaten our very way of existence. These people, these people. These people. Well, I want to know how Southern Baptists are able to build churches when, well, these people one time denied the rights of other people, I don't know, to be free and civil rights. I mean, Southern Baptists have a bad history of of denying human rights when you go back to slavery and the things that happened at that point. So maybe Southern Baptists should not be able to build churches.
5: as christians and americans sometimes we have to deal with questions that are really complicated and we have to spend a lot of time thinking them through and not sure exactly what the final result was going to be sometimes we have really hard decisions to make this isn't one of those
4: things what it means to be a baptist is to support soul freedom for everybody russell moore has taken money from this i guess that's a bad thing To be a Baptist and support soul freedom
1: from everybody. It's not even about being a Baptist. Look, from a theological standpoint, Islam is a false religion. Yes. Catholicism is a false religion. Yes. I mean, we can go on. Mormonism is a false religion. Jehovah's Witnesses is a false religion. We can go all day, right? But the thing is, is we live in a country where there's a freedom of religion. To support their freedom, you're protecting your freedom. The freedom you deny is the freedom you will lose. The freedom you give is the freedom you protect. This is crazy. This is supposed to be about enemies within the church, and now you you are the enemy if you support the right of other religions to build places of worship and to worship according to their conscience.
4: I was not expecting this. Individual Russell Moore has also taken money from the Democracy Fund. $50,000 went to the MLK 50 conference. Why would the Democracy Fund, an openly leftist organization, want to fund an evangelical conference that gave Southern Baptist students at seminary
0: credits to attend? Again, another clip from the film we carry, Enemies Within the Church. Find it in my online store, Olive Tree V. Please
1: note, they're not giving away the movie. They keep talking about money, but they're not
0: going to give away the,
1: the movie. They're not going to give away the movie. So I just sometimes they bring up, you know, you know, seminaries do this just to earn money, but buy our video and you can get all of the dirt on all of these people. It's it's just like they're it for money, but we do it for ministry. But we need you to pay $24.99 or whatever it is to get our DVD. <laughs> sometimes it's the irony is, is thick here. All right, let's see. We may stop right here. I'm just going to see if they're going to introduce a new point. They're going to continue down this path because so far, I still don't know who the enemies are within the church. Well, I guess I I know this. The enemies within the church (laughs) are people like me who would 1,000% support a Muslim building a mosque in my community. I would 1,000% support the Church of Satan building a church in my community. I would 1,000% support atheists putting ads on city buses that say Jesus never existed. God is not real. I I would, I would 1000% support all of that, not in my theology, but as an American, I want them to have that freedom because guess what I want? I want the freedom to go to my church and open up the Bible and talk doctrine and theology. You know what I want? I want the freedom to be able to turn on this microphone and talk about religion and doctrine and theology. I will support anyone's rights and freedom. I hate censorship. I hate silencing people. I hate canceling anyone. Now, what? Now once they begin to promote violence, right? Once they begin to do something that's going to bring... Actual harm and danger, then okay. But as much as humanly possible, as much no matter how much how how despicable I think their speech is, look, I'll just I'll just give you this example. This may not in your mind it may not be anywhere the same because you would you would probably view Islam as something far worse. But for me personally, just for me personally, and I know a lot of people don't understand this, but for me personally, I loathe. I loathe. With every ounce of my being, charismatic theology that teaches healing is guaranteed right now on this. Any any doctrinal, like the Assemblies of God or any other charismatic denomination who has in their doctrinal statement, no, healing is guaranteed right now by his stripes are healed. You have faith, you claim it, you will be healed. Anyone who teaches that evil, despicable lie, if you want to start getting rid of churches, Start with the assemblies of God. Start with charismatic denominations. Get them off the face of the earth. Because I believe that kind of teaching is evil, twisted. When there's children right now in in children's hospital dying of terminal cancer, uh, working in the medical world, you see the suffering and the death. Where are the charismatics? They never show up. They're a bunch of liars. And then the only time they ever show up is to tell you that it's your fault, that you're not healed because you didn't have enough faith. So if you want to, but you know what? As much as I despise it and hate it, I want charismatics to have the right and the ability to worship the way they want. I think that their doctrine is utterly reprehensible. It is ungodly. It is horrible. It is wrong. But I want them to have the freedom. You know what? I want them to have the freedom to preach it. And I want the freedom to criticize it. That's the beauty of living in America. America. It's the freedom of having the free exchange of ideas. But now we got Christians that I, because I believe in that freedom, I'm the enemy within the church. So we we need more Christians who deny people other religious freedoms. What Christians whine, religious freedom is under attack. What we mean is Christian freedom is under attack, but we don't care about anybody else's. Let, let's just see where they go. We'll have to stop.
0: Views.org. You're listening to Understanding the Times Radio. I'm Jan Markell. I have on the line from Sioux City, Iowa, Pastor Kerry Gordon, Cornerstone World Outreach. Pastor Kerry Gordon, okay, Russell Moore has thankfully stepped... Okay, we'll it's just
1: going to stop right there.
0: I, I don't think they're... They, I, you would really think a program
1: called Enemies Within the Church, they would go number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, but they're, they're not even attempting to do that. Man, this is just crazy. I'm going to have to write this down um, where we're stopping. 30 minutes and 21 seconds. Oh, I'll just say 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Enemies. Man. We got 26 minutes to go. You can go listen to their entire episode. It's called uh, the Understanding the Times podcast from Olive Tree Ministries. Again, this is one of the uh, I, I don't always agree with their episodes typically um it uh, my disagreement is minor this one is the one that i've I've never been this so frustrated and in such disagreement than I am with this one I'm still look tonight when it drops what are you know, midnight two in the morning typically I wait for other things to drop on Thursday night that's my my love for music that's a whole different subject but but i', I I'll listen to it. Uh, just because I disagree with it, I want them to have the right to speak. And I will keep listening because they, they they bring up lots of interesting subjects. But I could have never dreamed in a million years that as I'm sitting here reviewing this, that basically I'm told that the enemy within the church is anyone who believes other religions have the freedom and right to build houses of worship. And and, and But you can't see the danger of Christian nationalism, can you? Oh, but you can see the danger of critical race theory. All right, we'll review this in the next episode. I still want your list of what you think are the three enemies within the church. Newsif at yahoo.com. Sorry, trying to take a drink of water. I'm going to go ahead and take a drink of water. News, if at yahoo.com. It's always bad when you, like, you feel like I need to take a drink of water, but I need to keep talking. And, you, and you're, you're like, uh, news. Uh, <laughs> and you're trying to talk. Well, and you got the microphone right here. See, it's different when you're like standing in front of people, you're behind the pulpit, you just reach over and grab the bottle of water. Everybody sees what you're doing. But when you're doing just an audio podcast, you always forget that they don't like, they're like, what is that sound? What is it? It can be they, they, you know, uh, pencils, it, they don't know what those – so I'll go back and listen. I'm like, what was that sound? What was that sound? And I, so I, I'm sorry. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. You can email me your three enemies that you think are the most serious within the church right now. And uh, if you haven't listened to this entire series, please, I, I continue to promote this. Well, first, I'm going to just do a couple of things really quick because I saw – like uh, I was listening to Start Here by ABC News, which is, you know, have millions of people who listen to it. And it's just amazing that a podcast that popular still tells people, hey, if you like this podcast and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Look, please do that for us, right? If the big podcaster are begging people to do it, then it's even more important for us nobodies because- We we will never be found. The more people who leave those star reviews and the more people who write an actual review, that's how the algorithms pick us up. Those on YouTube, leave that thumbs up, leave that heart, anything you can do, because that's how the algorithms pick us up. So please do that. I mean, look, I'm not even asking you for money. Just leave a five star review. If you're using the sermons 2.0 app, please leave a comment. Now, if you hate me, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. You know, you can talk all the trash you want to me. I mean, I'm right there. I, I don't hide behind a microphone, okay? If, if, if you are email me and you're that mad, I'll even give you my phone number where you can call me and cuss me out if that's what you need to do. But if you can leave a positive comment, that helps us get noticed. So please do that. You know, please, I, just anything that, to help us out here, that, that, that we, we do appreciate that. But I I do recommend just in in being able to keep up with all of our content because we produce so much, right? Church One app, Church O-N-E. That's Church O-N-E, Android or Apple. Download the app, Church O-N-E. Once you download it, you're gonna have to search for Theology Central and voila, the Church One app becomes the Theology Central app. Now, right there in the app, there's a little like drop-down menu, look for notifications, make sure all of your notifications are turned on. And then you can look for series and you can see all of our series. And it's just easy to find all of our content. And you'll be notified every time I go live on the air, which is every time I turn around. So um, do that. And of course, I will say this. I don't usually say it, but I, I hear every other broadcast in the world said, if you do find that what we're doing is useful and you would like to support us, you can support us on the Church One app. There's a, a think, In fact, let me look here. I don't think, uh, I haven't looked at it in like 500 years. Let me look here. If you go to the Church One app and you go to Home, yeah, right at the top to the far right, Give, you can uh, you can give via PayPal if you would like to, and we would appreciate that if you want to, or you can go to theologycentral.net, and I think there's a Donate tab or a Give tab. You can do it there, and it's basically through PayPal. It's pretty simple. But if you, I mean, you don't have to. We're not, not going to, you know, we're we're not selling you anything, but just... I hear every other podcast in the world do that. And then they, then they, they, you know, I, I think it's okay to ever once in a while say that. So there you go. There you go. I'm going to stop right there. All right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Until next time. <laughs> Maybe we should actually look for the enemies within the church because so far, We haven't had any actually identified. Thanks for listening. God bless.